السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم اهد قلبي وسدد لساني واسرل سخيمة قلبي آمين يا رب العالمين So inshallah today we will complete kitab al-sahu and we will begin kitab al-janaiz inshallah Before we begin In the previous hadith we learned that the way of sajdatu sahu is that either it is done before the salam or it is done after the salam. And we discussed as to generally when it is done before salam and when it is done after salam. Now we also learned that there is takbir for it. What does it mean by takbir? Does takbir mean that you have to stand up and then go into sajda? No. What is meant by takbir is that from your sitting position at the end of the salah, which is that you say your tashahud, you send the salat to the Prophet ﷺ, you say the duas, then you say Allahu Akbar and you go into sajda. Takbir does not mean that you have to stand up and raise your hands and then go into sajda. You understand? From the sitting position, remember the hadith, وَهُوَ جَالِسٌ Right? Kabbara, he said takbir while he was sitting. Meaning from the sitting position, you say Allahu Akbar, you're going to sajda, right? You say Subhanu Rabbi Al-A'la, you say Allahu Akbar again, you sit, you say Rabbi Ghfirli, then you say Allahu Akbar, you're going to sajda again, you say Subhanu Rabbi Al-A'la, then you get up, say Allahu Akbar, sit up again, and when you sit up, you say the salam. Alright? Just as you conclude your prayer generally, that is what you do. Now this would be in the case where you're performing sajdatu sahu before the salam, right? Now what is meant by performing sajdatu sahu after the salam? What is meant by that is you sit in your final tashahud, you recite your tashahud, your salat in the Prophet ﷺ, your duas, and then you say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and then you say Allahu Akbar from the sitting position, and you do the sajdatu sahu. And of course, after that also, when you sit up from the second sajdatu sahu, you will say the salam again. Alright? Why? Because that is how you come out of the prayer. Alright? Is this clear? You have a question? Good question. That what if you said the salam, alright, then you got up and then you remembered that, oh, I forgot something in salah. Or somebody asks you, like we learned in the hadith, that you missed something in salah. So if it is of the arkanus salah, then of course you have to perform that. Right? Meaning you have to make up that raka'ah or whatever. Then you do the sajdatu sahu. Or if it's just of the wajibat, then you will just go face the qibla, do sajdatu sahu. Alright? Of course, because you're standing, so you're going to start from there. Okay? Say Allahu Akbar going to sajda, etc. But this will only be if you remember within a short period of time. If, for example, you left the house. Alright? Now you're driving. You're gone now. Or you were in the masjid, now you left the masjid. You know, a long time has passed. Then if if it was of the arkanu salah that you missed, your salah was invalid, right? So what do you have to do? Repeat the prayer, alright? But if it is of the wajibat, then what do you have to do? Just sajdatu sahu. Okay, let's continue. Bab number seven. Bab as-sahwi fil-fardi wa-tatawwu'i. As-sahwi, forgetfulness. Fil fardi in fard meaning obligatory, what tatawur and tatawur meaning voluntary. Meaning whether you are performing an obligatory prayer or a voluntary prayer. 
if you forget something in that salah, then you have to do sajdatu sahu for that. Meaning sajdatu sahu is for forgetting something in salah, whether that salah is obligatory or voluntary. وَسَجَدَ ibn عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا And Ibn Abbas رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا He prostrated sajdataini ba'da witrihi. He performed two prostrations after his witr. What does it mean? That in his witr, perhaps he forgot something. So what did he do? He performs sajdatu sahu after his witr prayer. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف أخبرنا مالك عن ابن شهاب عن أبي سلمة بن عبد الرحمن عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن أحدكم إذا قام The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that when one of you stands up you صلي to pray جاء الشيطان شيطان comes فلبس عليه and then he creates confusion for him حَتَّى لَا يَدْرِيَ كَمْ Until a person does not even know how much he has prayed. فَإِذَا وَجَدَ ذَلِكَ أَحَدُكُمْ So when one of you finds that, meaning if one of you finds yourself in such a state that in your salah, you don't even know where you are, فَلْيَسْجُدْ سَجْدَتَيْنِ وَهُوَ جالس. Then he should perform two prostrations while sitting. Meaning from the sitting position, final sitting position, he will do the two sajda. Now this hadith is mentioned briefly and it's the same as the previous hadith. In the previous hadith we read a longer version which is that that when the adhan is pronounced then shaitan runs away, he comes back and then when the iqama is made again he runs away then he comes back, right? And so the hadith tells us as to what to do when we find ourselves in that state. So this is the same thing. But the wording is slightly different as you can see. From the first hadith it is clear that when it is fard salah Alright? And there is a sahu, then this is what you do. How do we know the hadith is talking about a fard salah? Because there is adhan, there is iqama, there is four rak'at. Right? And that is for which salah? Obligatory salah. This hadith on the other hand says, إِذَا قَامَ إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ إِذَا قَامَ يُصَلِّي When one of you stands to pray, what does that mean? Any prayer. It could be a sunnah prayer, it could be a nafil prayer, it could be witr prayer, it could be fard prayer, it could be praying on your own or praying in jama'ah, it could be Eid prayer. Any prayer that when you stand to perform that prayer, then shaitan comes to you. And he tries to confuse you. He tries to disturb your prayer. So from this hadith, we see that the rule is general. The meaning the rule of sajdatu sahu is general it's not just for the obligatory prayer but any prayer and remember this principle that whatever is applicable to a voluntary prayer is also applicable to obligatory prayer and vice versa unless there is evidence what does it mean by that that in general the way you're supposed to perform fault prayer is how you're supposed to perform voluntary prayer Fatiha here, Fatiha there. Surah here, Surah here. You understand? Rukur, Rukur. Sajda, Sajda. Prerequisites here, prerequisites there. In general. Unless there is evidence. So for example, we know that for nafil prayer, voluntary prayer during travel, you don't have to face the Qibla. Isn't it? But for fard prayer during travel, do you have to face the Qibla? Yes. So there is evidence. 
So here we see one difference between nafil and fard prayer, but with evidence. But in general, fard and nafil have no difference in general terms. There's only some exceptions where there is evidence, and there is only a few. So this means that if you make a mistake in your fard prayer, there's sajdatu sahu for that. And if you forget something in your nafil prayer, also there is sajdatu sahu for that. You will not say, oh well, it's sunnah anyway. Right? So for example, if you're performing your sunnah after zuhur, you're performing two rak'ah, and you forget your rukur, can you say that, oh, this is not fard, it's sunnah, so I don't need to make that up and do sajdatu sahu. Can you say that? No. Because salah is salah. Alright? And sajdatu sahu is for any kind of sahu in any salah. I mean, the certain sahu that we discussed for any salah. Now, one thing. Is there sujudu sahu in salatul janazah? Hmm? Salatul janazah is what? Funeral prayer. And inshallah we will study that very soon in the next chapter, inshallah. But if there is some mistake... Like for example, a person forgets to perform the right number of takbirat. You know that there are several takbirat. So let's say the imam, by mistake, performs, he thinks he's doing Eid Salah. So he does seven takbirat. For example, it can happen for people who are leading prayer all the time, and let's say it's Eid, you know, just after Eid day or something, and so the person leading the Salatul Janazah, by mistake, does not perform the correct number of takbirat. So is there sajdatu sahu? We just discussed that sajdatu sahu is for all salah. Yes? If you remember that all the takbirat are kind of, are either in the arkanu salah or the wajibatu salah. Isn't it so? Salatul janazah does not have sujood anyway. You understand? There is no sajda in salatul janazah. Okay? So if the imam does make a mistake in the takbirat, is there sajda to sahu? No. Because by definition, there is no sajda in salatul janazah. Alright? Another thing, is there sajda to sahu for forgetting sajda to sahu? Is there? No. Because then there would be, I mean, this is like continuous, right? So, if you forget to do sajdatu sahu, then depending on when you remember, okay, and what kind of sahu it was, either you will do sajdatu sahu only, or you will not do it. Simple. You will not do a sajdatu sahu on top of a sajdatu sahu. Okay. Bab ida kullima wahuwa yusalli faashara biyadihi wastamaa. Ida kullima, when he is spoken to, who is spoken to? وَهُوَ يُصَلِّي While he is praying. Meaning, a musalli, a person who is performing salah, right? he is busy in his salah, and someone comes and starts talking to him. Hmm? Someone comes and starts talking to him. And so, فَأَشَارَ بِيَدِهِ So the musalli, the person praying, what does he do? He makes a gesture with his hand. Why? Why? To communicate something. Like for example, you're praying and your child comes and says, Mom, Mom, can I have this? And you know, he's got like a packet of chips or something open in front of him. Can I have this? Can I have this? Begging, begging, begging. And you're praying. And your child 
is little and he doesn't understand. So then can you gesture with your hand something like, you know, go ahead. You know, for example, you move the chips towards him, for instance, so that he gets it, that okay, I can have it. So is that okay? That's a question. وَاسْتَمَعَ And he listens. Meaning the person who's praying actually listens attentively to the person who's talking to him. Is that okay? Is that permissible? Let's find out. حدثنا يحيى بن سليمان قال حدثني ابن وهب قال أخبرني عمر عن بكير عن كريب أن ابن عباس والمسور بن مخرمة وعبد الرحمن بن أزهر رضي الله عنهم أرسلوه إلى عائشة رضي الله عنها So what's happening over here that Kurayb says that Ibn Abbas, Miswar, and Abdurrahman bin Azhar sent him, sent who? They sent Kurayb to who? Ila Aishata, to Aisha radiallahu anha. Why did they send Kurayb to her? Faqalu, they said to him that, tell her, Iqra' alayha salama minna jami'an. Give her salams from all of us. Convey our salams to her. Wasalha and then ask her Anir Rakataini about the two rakat Bada Salatil Asri which are after Salatul Asr. Two rakat that are after Salatul Asr. Ask her about them. Wakullaha and say to her that inna uhbirna that we have been informed. Who has been informed? Ibn Abbas. Miswar, Abdul Rahman bin Azhar. These are of course Sahaba and some Tabi'un that tell her that we have been informed that Annaki Tusallinahuma that you perform them. We have heard that you perform two rakat after Asr. Waqad Balagana and it has also reached us Anna Nabiya Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallama Naha Anha that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam actually forbade us from them. Meaning we have heard that you perform two rakat after asr. And on the other hand, we have also been informed that the Prophet ﷺ forbade people from praying after asr. So, can you explain this to us? So, Quraib is their messenger. So they're sending their question through Quraib to Aisha radiallahu anha. وَقَالَ ابْنُ عَبَّاسٍ ابن عَبَّاسٍ said, وَكُنْتُ أَضْرِبُ النَّاسَ مَعَ عُمَرَ بْنِ الْخَطَّابِ عَنْهُمَا Ibn Abbas said that I and Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu used to adribu nas, strike people for performing them. Meaning if Umar radiallahu anhu and Ibn Abbas ever found people praying after Asr, they would stop them. And sometimes they would discipline them how? Like, don't do it. Like physically strike them. Like meaning they were very firm about it. That you're not supposed to perform this prayer when the Prophet ﷺ forbade us. Why are you doing it? But then they found out that Aisha performs this prayer. So what's going on? فَقَالَ كُرَيْبٌ So Kurayb said, فَدَخَلْتُ عَلَى عَائِشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا So I came to Aisha رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا فَبَلَّغْتُهَا مَا أَرْسَلُونِي So I conveyed to her whatever they sent me with. Meaning I conveyed the message to her. فَقَالَتْ So she said, سَلْ أُمَّ سَلَمَةً She said, go ask Umm Salama رضي الله عنها Who is she? Wife of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم 
فَخَرَجْتُ إِلَيْهِمْ فَأَخْبَرْتُهُمْ بِقَوْلِهَا So Quraib said that I went back to them and I told them about what she said. That basically she said, go ask Umm Salama. So, فَرَدُّونِي إِلَىٰ أُمِّ سَلَمَةً So then they sent me to Umm Salama. Notice Quraib doesn't go himself. Right? Because he's a messenger. He wasn't told to go investigate the matter. He was told to go ask the question from Aisha radiallahu anha. And if Aisha radiallahu anha told him that go to Umm Salama, he didn't go himself. He went back to those people who sent him. You see, this is the role of a messenger. You just do what you are told. Not more, not less. So, what happened then? فَرَدُّونِي إِلَىٰ أُمِّ سَلَمَةَ بِمِثْلِ مَا أَرْسَلُونِي بِهِ إِلَىٰ عَائِشَةَ So they sent me to Umm Salama with the same message that they sent me to Aisha radiallahu anha to. فَقَالَتْ أُمُّ سَلَمَةَ radiallahu anha So Umm Salama radiallahu anha said تَتْ سَمِعْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَنْهَا عَنْهَا I heard the Prophet ﷺ forbidding people from praying after Asr. I heard him say that. I heard him prohibit people from performing prayer after Asr. ثُمَّ رَأَيْتُهُ And then I saw him يُصَلِّيهِمَا حِينَ صَلَّ الْعَصْرِ Then I saw him performing two rak'at after doing Asr. So you see what happened? Umm Salama said that I heard the Prophet ﷺ prohibiting people from praying after Asr. And then one day I saw him that he performed Asr and then he performed two rak'at. ثُمَّ دَخَلَ عَلَيَّ وَعِنْدِي نِسْوَةٌ And then after his salah, he came to me, meaning in my hujra, in my apartment, وَعِنْدِي نِسْوَة And there were some women with me, مِنْ بَنِي حَرَامٍ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ Of the Banu Haram, this tribe of the Ansar. Meaning some women were sitting with me. So it seems that because of that reason, the Prophet ﷺ didn't stay there. He went out. فَأَرْسَلْتُ إِلَيْهِ الْجَارِيَةَ But she wanted to know right away. So she said that I sent to him the jariya. Jariya means young girl. Now either this young girl was a slave girl or just a young girl, whoever she was, we don't know. But she said that I sent to him the young girl, فَقُلْتُ And then I said, قُومِ بِجَنْبِهِ Go stand by his side. It seems like he was praying. So she said, stand by his side and قُولِ لَهُ And say to him, تَقُولُ لَكَ أُمُّ سَلَمَةَ أُمُّ سَلَمَةَ is saying to you, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ O Messenger of Allah, سَمِعْتُكَ I have heard you, تَنْهَا عَنْهَا تَيْنِ that I have heard you stopping from these two. وَأَرَاكَ تُصَلِّهِمَا And I see you performing these two. So basically, what happened is that the Prophet ﷺ performed Asr. Before we continue, let me just quickly summarize the, the scene. The Prophet ﷺ performed Asr. He finished Asr and he got up to perform two rak'at. Now, Umm Salama... All right. There are some women with her. So she sends one girl, young girl, to the Prophet ﷺ as he's praying. And she says to the girl that when you go to him, even though he's praying, ask him that Umm Salama is saying that I heard you forbidding us from performing prayer after Asr. And now you are performing prayer? 
And she says to him, Umm Salama is saying such and such. فَأَشَارَ بِيَدِهِ And the Prophet ﷺ gestured with his hand. فَاسْتَأْخَرَتْ عَنْهُ So then she waited for him. فَلَمَّنْ صَرَفَ Then when he ended the prayer, قَالَ He said, يَا بِنْتَ أَبِي أُمَيَّةَ O daughter of Abu Umayyah, سَأَلْتِ عَنِ الرَّكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْعَصْرِ you have asked me about two rak'at after asr. وَإِنَّهُ أَتَانِي نَاسٌ And indeed some people came to me مِنْ عَبْدِ الْقَيْسِ From Abdul Qais. Meaning of the Abdul Qais, some people came to me فَشَغَلُونِي And they kept me busy عَنِ الرَّكْعَتَيْنِ From the two rak'at اللَّتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الظُّهْرِ Which are after ظُهْر فَهُمَا هَاتَانِي so these two rak'at are those rak'at. So long story short, the Prophet ﷺ made up his sunnah of dhuhr after asr. So what we understand is that in general, after asr, yes, you don't pray. Okay, In general, after asr, you don't pray until maghrib. Unless there is a reason. Alright? Unless there is a reason. It's not that we are completely forbidden from praying. You are allowed to pray if there is a reason. What reason? Like for example, you weren't able to do your sunnah of dhuhr. And you know, especially in the winter, what happens? The time of dhuhr, the time of asr comes so quickly, back to back. Right? So let's say you perform your fard, your dhuhr. Right? You're going to do your sunnah, but what happens? Something urgent, then another something urgent, then another something urgent, and as you look at the time, now it's asr. So then, there's a jama'ah, you join the jama'ah, can you do your sunnah of dhuhr after asr? Yes, you can. Likewise, if you enter the masjid after asr, can you perform tahiyyatul masjid? Yes, because there is a reason. You're not just praying voluntarily, just like that. You are praying because you have entered the masjid. And the etiquette is that this is what you do. Likewise, you have a habit of performing two rak'at after making wudu. So you're fortunate if you do. So if you have that habit, let's say you performed your asr, now after some time you're getting ready for maghrib. Alright, there's still about 30 minutes, let's say. So you do wudu and you perform two rak'at. Can you do that? Yes. Alright. Let's say there's an urgent matter. And you need to do istikhara. You cannot wait until Maghrib. Hmm? You have to make an urgent decision. It's time sensitive. So can you do istikhara right then? Yes. Why? Because there is a sabab. So what we understand is that in general, after asr, you don't pray voluntary prayer. Because the Prophet ﷺ forbade people from doing that. However, if there is a sabab, then a person may perform that. Now, why is Imam Bukhari bringing this hadith over here? Because the Prophet ﷺ is praying, the girl comes, asks him a question, he listens to her, 
And then he gestures with his hand, wait. So she waits. When he ends the prayer, he gives her the answer. Hmm? So what does this mean? Can you talk to a person who's praying? Can you talk to a person who's praying? Yes. As long as it's something urgent. What if you are praying and somebody comes and talks to you? Hmm? Like for example, everybody has to leave the house. So you're praying. So your husband comes and says, we're all in the car. Windows are closed. Keys are in the door. We're just waiting for you. You understand? So can you be like, you know, gesture with your hand. Okay, I got that. Right? I will do exactly what you told me. Can you gesture with your hand? Yes, you can. You just heard an instruction. Can you do that? Yes. But can you start listening to the conversations of people? No. Can you start listening to the lecture that's going on in the masjid? No. Can you start listening to the khutbah? No. Understand? Generally, you're supposed to focus on your prayer. Inna fi salati shoglan. Correct? But if somebody talks to you about something urgent, then you can listen and you can respond with a gesture. Don't start sign language. Like for example, they say, two or three. And you're like, <laughs> with your fingers, you're like, two. No, don't, don't do that. You shouldn't be talking. You see what happened? The Prophet ﷺ gestured with his hand, wait. And so the girl waited. You can do something like that. And this also teaches us that ishara is not like kalam. Ishara meaning gesturing with the hand is not like speaking. There's a difference. Bab al-isharati fi salati making a gesture in the prayer. Qalahu Kuraybun an Ummi Salamata radiallahu anha an Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Kurayb reported this from Um Salama radiallahu anha from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning Imam Bukhari is referring to the previous hadith. And then he brings another hadith which we have read many times. Haddathana Qutaybatu ibn Sa'idin, Haddathana Ya'qub ibn Abdul Rahman, an Abi Hazimin, an Sahl ibn Sa'adin al-Sa'idihi, radiyallahu anhu, an Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, balagahu anna bani Amr ibn Awfin, kana baynahum shay'un. The news reached the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that there was a dispute in the Banu Amr bin Awf. فَخَرَجَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُصْلِحُ بَيْنَهُمْ فِي أُنَاسٍ مَعَهُ So the Prophet ﷺ didn't just leave them. He actually went to help resolve the problem. And he went with a group of people. فَحُبِسَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ So the Prophet ﷺ was kept there for a long time because disputes generally don't resolve in a day or two. It takes a long time. So it cannot happen that in just one conversation... In a few moments the dispute is resolved. It took some time. وَحَانَتِ الصَّلَاةُ فَجَاءَ بِلَالٌ إِلَىٰ أَبِي بَكْرٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ So it was the time for prayer. So Bilal came to Abu Bakr رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ This is back in Medina. فَقَالَ يَا أَبَا بَكْرٍ إِنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَدْ حُبِسَ وَقَدْ حَانَتِ الصَّلَاةُ فَهَلَّكَ أَنْتَ he said to Abu Bakr anhu that the Prophet ﷺ has been delayed, it's time for prayer, will you lead the people? 
Abu Bakr responded, Yes, if you want. فَأَقَامَ بِلَالٌ وَتَقَدَّمَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ So Bilal said the iqama, Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه came forward, فَكَبَّرَ لِلنَّاسِ And he said the takbir for people, meaning he began the prayer, and the people started praying behind him, وَجَاءَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ And at this time, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم also arrived, يَمْشِي فِي الصُّفُوفِ And he began walking through the rows, making his way to the front, حَتَّى قَامَ فِي الصَّفْ Until he stood in the row. فَأَخَذَ النَّاسُ فِي التَّصْفِيقِ So the people began clapping. وَكَانَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ لَا يَلْتَفِتُ فِي صَلَاتِهِ And Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه was such that he would not turn in his prayer. فَلَمَّا أَكْثَرُ النَّاسُ But when the people increased, meaning in their clapping, إِلْتَفَتَ He finally turned. فَإِذَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ And there was the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم فَأَشَارَ إِلَيْهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم يأمره أن يصلي. So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم gestured to him, commanding him, keep praying. فَرَفَعَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ يَدَيْهِ فَحَمِدَ اللَّهَ Abu Bakr raised his hands and then he praised Allah وَرَجَعَ الْقَحْقَرَ and he retreated back. وَرَاءَهُ behind him حَتَّى قَامَ فِي الصَّفْ until he stood in the row. فَتَقَدَّمَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ and the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ went forward فَصَلَّى لِلنَّاسِ and then he led the people in prayer. فَلَمَّا فَرَغَ أَقْبَلَ عَلَى النَّاسِ when he completed the prayer he turned towards the people فَقَالَ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ مَا لَكُمْ حِينَ نَابَكُمْ شَيْءٌ فِي الصَّلَاةِ أَخَذْتُمْ فِي التَّصْفِيقِ then when he finished the prayer, he turned towards the people and he said, O oh people, what happened to you that when there was something during prayer, you began clapping? إِنَّمَا التَّصْفِيقُ لِلنِّسَاءِ Clapping is for women. مَنْ نَابَهُ شَيْءٌ فِي صَلَاتِهِ فَلْيَقُلْ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ If there is something important in salah that you must bring the imam's attention to, then he should say, Subhanallah. فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَسْمَعُهُ أَحَدٌ حِينَ يَقُولُ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْتَفَتَ Because when Subhanallah will be said, then the person listening to it, he will turn around. Ya Abu Bakrin, ma manaka an tusalliya linnasi hina ashartu ilayk. And O oh Abu Bakr, what happened to you when I gestured to you, when I told you, keep praying? Why didn't you continue? فَقَالَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ مَا كَانَ يَنْبَغِي لِبْنِ أَبِي قُحَافَةَ أَنْ يُصَلِّيَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ It is not befitting for the son of Abu Quhafa that he should pray in front of the Prophet ﷺ. So we have done this hadith several times and here Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith again to remind us that such movements, they don't break the prayer. Remember that when it comes to movements in prayer, Right? We learned that there are some movements which are valid and some movements which are obligatory or preferred and then there is others which are disliked. And then some movements, they invalidate the prayer. Now, you might be wondering, why is this coming in sajdatus sahu? We already did amal fi salah. Why are these ahadith or these abwab coming at the end of the book of sajdatus sahu? Because you see, here, the people made a mistake. Didn't they? They made a mistake in the sense that they started clapping where they should have been saying, Subhanallah. Correct? But was there sajdatu sahu for that? No. This was a mistake. It was an error. But it wasn't an action for which sajdatu sahu was required. Right? So remember that sajdatu sahu is for forgetting something. Meaning forgetting a rukun. So you forget and so you do naqs. Or you forget and you do ziyada. 
you forget how much you have prayed, so you are in shak. You understand? The reason is forgetting. But when it comes to making a mistake like this, that out of ignorance, a person begins to clap, or he speaks, then as we have read, that some movements will invalidate the prayer. And other movements do not invalidate the prayer, meaning those mistakes are just to be ignored. You understand? Those mistakes are to be ignored, meaning sajdatu sahu is not required for that. حدثنا يحيى بن سليمان قال حدثني ابن وهب حدثنا الثوري عن هشام عن فاطمة عن أسماء قالت دخلت على عائشة رضي الله عنها وهي تصلي قائمة أسماء said that I entered upon Aisha رضي الله عنها while she was standing and praying والناس قيام and the people were also standing and praying فقلت ما شأن الناس so I said what's going on with the people فأشارت برأسها إلى السماء so she gestured with her head to the Sky. فَقُلْتُ آيَةِ So I asked, Aya, Is this a miracle? Because there was a solar eclipse. فَقَالَتْ بِرَأْسِهَا أَيْنَعَمْ So she said with her head, Yes. How do you say with your head? By moving the head. But that movement should be known. Meaning if you're making a movement, if you're gesturing with your hand or with your head, the other person should be able to understand that gesture. Not that... The other person thinks that if you nod your head, it means a no. Because huh? in some places it's like that. Nodding the head up and down means no. And if you move your head from right to left, it means a yes. Right? So, you know, the other person should be able to understand your gesture. And if you don't know how you're going to answer them, then just, you know, hold their hand or whatever gesture somehow so that they know that they should wait. Okay. حدثنا إسماعيل قال حدثني مالك عن هشام عن أبيه عن عائشة رضي الله عنها زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنها قالت عائشة رضي الله عنها the wife of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that صلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في بيته وهو شاك جالسا. She said the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم performed the prayer in his house while he was unwell. شاك شكوى Meaning there was some complaint, meaning in his body, he was unwell. And he prayed how? Jalisan, while sitting. Because there was an injury on his leg, he could not stand up. And the people who had come to visit him, and it was time to pray, they prayed behind him. But how did they pray? Standing. So the Imam, the Prophet ﷺ is sitting in Qiyam, and the people are standing behind him. فَأَشَارَ إِلَيْهِمْ أَنِجْلِسُوا So he gestured to them that, sit down. How would you tell somebody with a gesture to sit down? Right? Like for example, you would bring your hand down or you would tap the floor. So he gestured to them. فَلَمَّا صَرَفَ And then when he ended the prayer, قَالَ He said, إِنَّمَا جُعِلَ الْإِمَامُ لِيُؤْتَمَّ بِهِ The imam has been appointed in order to be followed. فَإِذَا رَكَعَ فَرْكَعُوا So when he does rukur, then you also do rukur. وَإِذَا رَفَعَ فَرْفَعُوا And when he gets up, then you get up. Don't go in rukur before the imam. Don't get up from any position before the imam. You have to follow the imam. And this is a point that needs to be emphasized over and over again. You see, 
you know, for example, you're standing right next to a sister who's leading you in prayer. Or you're standing next to a brother who's leading you in prayer. And then what happens? As they're going into rukur, they haven't even said Allahu Akbar. And what happens? You go into rukur before them. That's not okay. Wait for the imam to say Allahu Akbar. When he says Allahu Akbar, when she says Allahu Akbar, completes the takbir, then move. Then start going into the next position. Because you have to follow the imam. And when you're following somebody, you cannot be right next to them or ahead of them. Following somebody means you have to be behind them. You understand? So your movement should come after the movement of the imam. So be careful about that. Now in this hadith again, the Prophet ﷺ gestured to them, sit down, this is why Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith over here. Now two things, first of all, what we see here is that, again, there was a slight mistake on the part of the companions. They should have been sitting, but they stood up. Did the Prophet ﷺ command them to do sajdatul sahu or repeat the prayer? No, because this was not sahu. So there's no sajdatul sahu required over there. Secondly, what we see here is that this hadith clearly mentions that if the imam sits and prays, then the ma'moom should also do the same. You understand? Now the imam is sitting, why? Because of some illness, some injury, some disability, whatever reason. They're not able to stand. You don't have that reason. Why should you sit? Why should you sit? Because you are following the imam. Now, this hadith mentions this, but there is another hadith which tells us that towards the end of the Prophet wasallam's life, what happened one day is that it was time for prayer. The Prophet wasallam tried to go. He asked for water. They washed him. He did wudu. And then finally when he was able to go, actually he was not able to go. So he told Abu Bakr anhu to lead the people in prayer. Abu Bakr anhu began the prayer and then the Prophet wasallam he came in order to join the people in prayer. But Abu Bakr is Abu Bakr. He would not lead the people when the Prophet ﷺ is there. So Abu Bakr again, he came back. So the Prophet ﷺ was sitting and leading the people in prayer, and the people were standing. Now what does this mean? Here is a hadith that clearly states, when the imam sits, ma'moom should sit. And then we have that other hadith where we see the Prophet ﷺ is sitting and the people behind him are standing. Is this a contradiction? There's two ways of understanding it. Okay? There's two ways of understanding it. The first way is that some scholars say that the hadith that you see in front of you, this was the initial command. And then this was later abrogated by the action of the Prophet ﷺ. So now, they say, that if the imam must sit, because of some disability or injury, or whatever, the ma'moom does not have to sit. He will stand. Because that was the last action of the Prophet ﷺ. But other scholars disagree. They say that there are conditions for naskh, for abrogation, and all those conditions, I'm not going to go into the details of that, they say, that this does not meet all the conditions. So then what's another explanation? A better explanation is that if the imam 
begins the prayer sitting. If the imam begins the prayer sitting, then the ma'moom also has to sit and pray. And this is what happened in this hadith that you see in front of you. However, if the imam begins the prayer standing and then sits, then the ma'moom does not have to sit. How do we understand that? Because Abu Bakr started the prayer. Remember? He began leading the prayer. And how did he lead the prayer? Standing. So the people stood behind him. Then what happened? The Prophet ﷺ came, joined the prayer, became the imam. He's sitting. But the people continued standing. So this is a very important thing that we must understand, which is that if there is an imam, right, who should be leading the people in prayer, and because of some reason he's not able to stand, then what can he do? What can he do? Begin the prayer standing, and then sit down. Understand? Begin the prayer standing, and then sit down. So let's say, in your family, your father or your brother always you know, leads the family in salah. That's your norm. Now what happened one day? May Allah protect your family, but let's say somebody gets an injury in their foot. And so they're not exactly able to stand and lead the people in prayer. And there's nobody else who could lead the salah. So then what can be done? They can begin the prayer standing, and then immediately they can sit down. You understand? So with these ahadith, the chapters on sahu and amal fi salah, they are concluded. And inshallah now we will begin the next kitab. But we see that in this final hadith, how important it is to follow the imam. How important it is to follow the imam. If he's sitting, you will sit. So let us pay attention to that. Okay. With this hadith, can we also conclude that you can change, like the imam can of course. be a second, there can be a second imam? Of it course. Was, there can be situations where the imam is unable to continue the prayer. Like for example, he lost his wudu, or you know, like an emergency situation. Remember what happened with Umar radiallahu anhu. He was leading the people in prayer and he was stabbed during his salah. So typically what happens is that the person standing right behind the imam, he will come forward and he will take over and he will continue to lead the people in prayer. But we see here that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu refused to lead the salah because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was there. So this is something that is permissible.